Go back to Acts chapter 8 that Brother Joseph read to us. Acts chapter 8. This is a very familiar story to most of us and a fitting message, I believe. It's going to be a baptismal service after this. This is a story of a man who heard the gospel and believed and confessed Christ in believer's baptism. This is the way, baptism is the way that our Lord told us, told his people, all believers, he told them to confess him in believer's baptism. This is, this is what he told us to do. He said to his preachers, he said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Men and women have to hear the truth, have to hear the gospel. And that gospel is a person. The gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That sums it up. And uh, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth, that is, believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ, believeth, looks to him, believes him, not believing himself, but believe in him, believe on him. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism doesn't do one thing for us. This is just old Franklin County well water. We have to put stuff in it to keep it from turning red, <laughs> orange. It's just old well water. It doesn't put away sin. It doesn't change the person who gets in there. It doesn't do a thing. Do that. It's just a public confession of faith in Christ who was crucified. What you're saying, what Kara is going to be saying by doing this, and what everybody says that does it, who does this with the understanding. What you're saying is when Christ came and lived, I believe, I hope he lived for me. Holy man, I'm not holy, I'm sinful. He came to do this for his people. By his knowledge, Isaiah 53 says, My righteous servant will justify me. His knowledge of the law, his knowledge of God, his knowledge. And that Christ, when he lived, God accepted. God was well pleased, Isaiah 42 says, for his righteousness. Son. He's well pleased. And God said, I'll accept everybody that comes to me by him, by faith in him. Not what you do, what you don't do, it's who you trust. Who you look, who you look to. Alright? So, that's, this is faith. And, and you, we're confessing him when he lived. He did this for me. I haven't lived a holy life. He did. He did this for me. And he was crucified, hung on that cross as a sinner. God made him to be sin for his people. What you're saying in baptism is, I believe he, he bore my sin in his body on the tree. So he was crucified. God poured out his wrath and his judgment on Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't do that for everybody. But whoever he did it for, they're justified. Their sins are gone. It's not your faith that saves, it's Christ that saves. And this is the faith of God's elect. They believe what Christ did it accomplished. 
salvation of his people. He put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Didn't try to. Didn't make an attempt to. He put away sin. That's what you're saying. I believe he put away my sin and, and he was buried. Baptism is, is a funeral. Our funeral. What you're saying is I deserve to be hung on that cross and put to shame before everybody because I'm just a shameful person. Sinned against God to get my, my life hadn't been worth living. Just, just, just kill me on that cross. And just bury me out of sight, out of mind. Christ was buried. But three days later, I told Kara, I said, I haven't left anybody under the water yet. <laughs> Nobody's drowned. We come up out of that water. We were quickened with Christ. We arise with Him. When Christ arose, we were quickened together with Him. He's a new creature, a new person. When you get in that water, nothing changes. You don't change. These things don't change. Your sins aren't washed away in that pool. No, 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 no. You're confessing Jesus Christ. You're not confessing yourself. Confessing Him. That makes sense. I just preached my whole message. (laughs) But Acts chapter 8 is a story of a man who heard Philip Philip wasn't a pastor. Philip wasn't an apostle. He's just a just a deacon. That's all right. That's good. Isn't it? He was a preacher. Romans ten said, "Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved." Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, who is it? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. But how how shall they call on Him? It says, "In whom they've not believed." How shall they believe in Him whom they've not heard? It's another Jesus preachers are preaching. It's not the Jesus Christ of Scripture. You've got to hear the true Christ. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Please God, by the foolishness of preaching, to save them that believe. That's what the Scripture said. And this man, he had to hear a preacher. And God sent him a preacher all the way out in the middle of that desert. This is absolute... Uh, proof that you must hear a preacher. This man was coming back from Jerusalem, which God said, come to Jerusalem and see the sacrifices made and the temple and all of that represents Christ. But he didn't get a thing. Because as we said earlier, Jews were in darkness. They weren't believing Christ. They were going through the motions. They are going through the rituals. Going through the ceremonies, like most in religion today. Just going through the motion. Tending church, you know. They weren't looking to Christ. They weren't believing Christ. They didn't need Christ. They were proud of their religion. Proud of their morality. Proud of their goodness. Proud of it. Paul said, God forbid it, I should boast, save in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ. Now you understand what that means. But they were proud, and he came back from there with nothing. He didn't get a thing out of that. He didn't get a thing out of it. And he was returning, verse 28, returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading the Scriptures. The Lord had him reading the Scriptures. I didn't get anything out of those Pharisees, so I'm just going to read God's Word. That's good. That's real good. 
Better to read God's word than to listen to a liar. Then the Holy Spirit said unto Philip, verse 29, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Now, Philip, I forget how far it was. I wrote it down years ago, but it was a long way. He had to go a long way to preach to one man. Is this one man worth it? If you'd asked him, he'd have said nothing. But what if this man was your brother? What if this is your husband? No? Your son? And um, Philip, so Philip ran. I love this. In, uh, Acts 8, verse 30. Philip ran to him. <laughs> he ran. If God calls a man to preach, he'll, he'll run. He won't carry. He'll, he'll run. He'll go there. He'll go where he's sent. Drop everything. Go there. That's right. So he did. He ran there. And he was here. He heard this man. I believe the chariot was walking along. And the man's reading. And I don't think anybody was with him. I think he's driving his own chariot. And this is fitting because when you hear from the Lord, you, you won't hear from the Lord. And Philip was walking alongside and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 53. And he said to the Ethiopian eunuch, he said, do you understand what you're reading? Understandest thou what thou readest? And you know, most people get offended by this. I know because it happened to me. I approached a man, I saw him reading the Bible, I said, do you understand what you're reading? He got indignant with me. What do you mean to understand? If we don't receive the word of God as little children, we'll not, we'll not hear it, we'll not believe it. I quoted earlier this morning, if anybody thinks they know anything, they don't know anything as yet. Now this man, God was humbling this man, God was calling him to seek, the truth, the Lord. He didn't get anything in Jerusalem. He's writing, he's starting to read the scriptures, and he's reading Isaiah 53, and God sent him a preacher. And the preacher said, do you understand? He said, how can I? No. I don't understand. See, this gospel's for the ignorant. This gospel's for the sinful. This gospel for those who don't know anything, can't do anything, don't have anything. This gospel for the poor. And he said to Philip, would you come up here and sit with me? Would you come up in this chariot and sit with me and tell me? And the place he was reading was Isaiah 53. And down in verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, I, tell me, I pray thee, who is this prophet Isaiah speaking about? Of whom speaketh the prophet this? Is he speaking of himself? Or some other man. Talk about this one who's wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. Chastisement our peace laid on him and by his stripes we're healed and who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows and, and by his knowledge justified. Who's he talking about? Who's Isaiah talking about? Is, that, is he talking about himself or is he talking about some other man? 
Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, Isaiah 53, and preached unto him another man. His name was Jesus. Now go to Isaiah 53 with me. Let's look at this whole story of this man named Jesus. Okay? Let me just say right from the beginning, he's not just a man. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's the Son of God. This is what this Ethiopian eunuch is going to come to understand. That wasn't just a man named Jesus. Helpless, hopeless, wanting, hoping, trying, failing, wanting you to do something. This was God who came to earth to do something that God sent him to do. Isaiah in chapter 42 said, He shall not fail. He won't even be discouraged. He didn't come to try to do anything. This whole chapter is talking about one God sent to do a work and He did it. Our Lord's last words on Calvary's tree were, It's finished. Not, I've done all I can do. Now it's up to you. No, all that can be done, all that could be done, all that was necessary to be done was done by Jesus Christ. A successful, a sovereign, successful, victorious Savior. Not a wannabe, a Savior. This one named Jesus is not just Jesus. Long before He took a body, He dwelled with God the Father in, in equality. This is the Son of the Most High God who, ever, who was with the Father from the beginning, who made this world. That man named Jesus made planet Earth. That man named Jesus made the tree from which the cross was, was uh, hewn that He hung upon and nobody hung him on that tree. He voluntarily he hung himself on it. This is God manifesting the flesh. Well, who believes this? Verse 1 begins that way. Who hath believed our report? Who believes this gospel? I quoted Romans 10 and said, Have they not all heard? No, but they don't all believe. Who will? A remnant. Whoever God chose, whoever God elected, whoever God uh, gives this gift of faith, faith's not of yourself. You don't decide, decide to believe. It's an infinitely wonderful, merciful, and gracious gift of God. Just to believe. Not an act of the human will. It's not a choice you make. It's not something you decide to do someday. It's something God decided before the world began. He said, you're going to have this faith. I'm glad because you... I would never have believed. I wouldn't be standing here. You're looking at the prodigal son. I would not be standing here if God hadn't sovereignly come. Broke my proud will like that wild ass's coat and rode me. Broke me. Revealed the truth. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse 1 says. Salvation is a revelation. It's not something we figure out. It's a revelation. All right, I'm thinking of a number between one and, and 100 million. Somebody tell me what it is. You understand the mind of God? Mankind will understand the infinite God by figuring it out? It's a revelation. He has to reveal himself to you. 
reveal the truth to you. That's why a few people believe his, his children did. Read on, it says he grow up as a tender plant. This is the vine. This is a tree of life. Out of, a root out of a dry ground. He came into a sinful, dry, dirty, thirsty land. Water of life, tree of life, hath no form nor comeliness. When we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. All these pictures of Jesus are lies. They're false. They're idols. Something men have made up. There's no description of Jesus Christ in this Bible except Revelation 1. You can't paint the sun. That blue-eyed, beautiful Caucasian man standing, that's not Jesus Christ. That's an idol. He had no form or cunningness. There's nothing beautiful about him. He had blue eyes. He was Jew. He wasn't beautiful to look at. In fact, he's the opposite. Had no form, no cunningness, no beauty about him that people should decide. He looked like a common, ordinary, brown-skinned Jew. He looks like everybody else. There's nothing about him outwardly that distinguished him from anybody else. Except his holy life. Why is that? Because you got to see on the inside. And that's where God looks. That's where God looks on the heart. That old tabernacle of old out in the, out in the wilderness that, followed, that Israel traveled with. It was brown on the outside. Brown badger skin on the outside. Boy, you can go on the inside. Gold, silver, precious stones. That's Jesus Christ. He wasn't tall, dark, and handsome. He was just ordinary. He became a man. He became a man. He was despised, verse 3 says, despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Despised and rejected of men. People didn't receive the Christ of Scripture back then and they don't receive him now. The true Christ is despised and rejected. The sovereign Christ. They said, that's what the Jews said about him. So you're just a man. You're not God. You can only do what we let you do. They heard him while he was saying, he was saying, you can only do what I let you do. They said, no, you're just a man. You make yourself to be God. Got it all. Judgment is backward. Isaiah 59 says, it's backward. 180 degrees. He was God and made himself a man. He said. And that's why people are confused. That man can't be God. Well, he is. How? I don't understand. Sure you don't. Can man understand God? Can't. We believe him. We believe that man that walked this earth was God, is God. We hid our faces from him. I did. To ignore him, to not give him, pay attention to him. I don't care if he lived or died. That was me. You stand him not. I don't need him. Anybody? As you were, brother. Long time. I don't need this gospel. I did, but I sure didn't know it. How did I come to know it? Just like the Ethiopian. God sent me a preacher. 
Says, you're lost and you don't know it. You're in darkness and you don't know it. You're no good and you don't know it. You're in danger of judgment and you don't know it. And God made me to know it. Verse 4. Now here's what the gospel is all about. Substitution. Here's why Jesus Christ came. A substitute. Substitution, satisfaction. A substitute. If Christ came and did what he did for me, it's done. And it ain't up to me to accept it. It's up to him for God to accept it, right? Jesus Christ didn't make an offering to God. I mean, offer to a man. He didn't make an offer to man. Now, will you accept this offer? He made an offer to God. That's who must accept it. You understand? Sure you do. Because you're blessed. It says, He hath borne our griefs, verse 4, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. The people thought, surely He's done something wrong to, to, to go through all this on the cross. Surely He must be a criminal to have gone through this. No. He knew no sin. He's doing this for criminals. He's doing this for criminals. He was wounded, verse 5, for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our people, the whipping, the stripes that were laid on him healed us. Who's us? Who did he do this for? Who did Jesus Christ die for? Everybody? If he did, everybody would be saved. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses. Because Christ put away sin by the sacrifice of death. If he did that for everybody, everybody's saved. Who did he do it for? His people. Look at verse 8, the last line. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Well, who are his people, preacher? Those who believe that he and he only is their salvation. Those that believe that if he hadn't come save me, I'd be lost. Those that believe I didn't do anything, he did it all. That's it. That's it. That's pretty simple. Isn't it? This this fellow, this eunuch, didn't accept Jesus as his personal savior. Philip did not have an altar call. Philip did not say, "Now, won't you accept Jesus?" Did it? He just preached Jesus Christ, the substitute, and this man believed. Verse 6, Christ, see, by His blood, by His atonement on the tree, His stripes were healed by His blood. All we like sheep have gone astray, turned every one of us to His own way. You see that? Is that you? Was that you? Is it? Was it? There's a way that seems right to men and women, and it's wrong. It ends in destruction. And for many, it's a religious way. A way of good works. That's not the way. What's the way? Yeah, I've quoted it ten times. Christ said, I'm the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Didn't he? 
The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, all of his people. God laid on him. Here's salvation, that God made Jesus Christ, and he hung him on the cross. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. That God made Jesus Christ to be me, to be you, to be the sinner. And laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here's, here's, uh, here's me. I've got this weight of sin on me. I can't get it off. I can't do one thing about it. All the law, all the handwriting of ordinances are against me. Everything this book says, it's against me. I am whatsoever things the law saith, it saith of them that are under the law. I'm under the law. Guilty. The old scales of justice back when they weigh things back then, see they put a weight, a great big heavy weight on one side. And this side has had nothing on it. You gotta keep laying the weight to come up, okay? And our Lord said, you're weighed in the balances and found wanting. Lighter than the dust. You can't move the scales of justice. You can't, you can't unload one sin. What are we gonna do? How are we going to get to heaven? God put Christ in hell. God laid on him the iniquity of all his people. See that? If he did that, we're going out. We didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. Who did it? He did it. That's, that's the gospel. That's salvation. It's not D-O, D-O, do, 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 do. It's D-O-N-E. Done. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted. Why? Because he's the lamb. The lamb slain. He brought as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before her shearers. He's dumb. He opened not his mouth. Our Lord stood before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good profession, but... He stood before Herod and didn't say a word. Herod said, don't you know? Pilate said, don't you know I have power to crucify you? You see how ignorant man is? He had no power at all. Christ said, you have no power at all. The power you have is what I give you. Oh, man. He brought us a lamb to the slaughter. Now, why didn't he open his mouth? See, he didn't open his mouth. The only man who ever lived who kept the law, who was perfect before the law of God, his law has no charge against him. The only man, and once he did say that, he said to everybody, who convinces me of sin? Somebody convinced me of one wrongdoing in thought, word, or deed. Somebody convinced me of one thing, Christ said. Nobody could. But now on Calvary's tree, God is laying my sin on him, the sin of all his people. He, he's become us, and we're guilty. And whatever the law says, it says to them that under the law that every mouth may stop. Don't say, but, 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 stop your mouth. But I hadn't, no, you're guilty of everything. You've thought it all, and you just hadn't done it because God kept you from it. Right? 
That's just so. It's just so. If that's not so, Jesus Christ didn't need to come. He didn't need to come. So he didn't open his mouth. He didn't speak. Because God laid on him our sin. The sins of his people. And he's guilty. Not guilt that he, not anything he did. He took my sin. He took your sin. What do you got to say for yourself? What if God, you stood before the judgment seat of God right now, and He knows your thoughts, He knows what you've thought today. What, what if He said, what have you got to say to yourself? Do you see why Christ opened out His mouth? He didn't defend Himself. Because He's become me. Isn't that wonderful? And you won't confess him? Who did that? Would you take the blame for what some death row criminal did? Would you? That's who he died for. A lamb to the slaughter. This is a lamb slain for the remission of our sins. A sheep before her shearer. A sheep is sheared, isn't it? Why is a sheep sheared? So we can be covered in his covering. Why did they strip Christ on Calvary's tree? Because we got his, God's people got His covering. Adam was naked and Eve were naked and they tried to sow some fig leaf. We, we're covered now. No, you're not. You turn over a new leaf and that won't cover your sin. What's going to cover it? God took a lamb right before their eyes and slid its throat and shed His blood and skinned that lamb and put it on those two naked souls. So now you're covered. And they were warm. And they felt secure. He's taken from prison, verse 8, from judgment. Our Lord was put in prison. Why? That's where the prisoners are. <laughs> There's a man named Barabbas. Remember? He's one of God's elect, one of God's chosen for the foundation of the world. He's in prison. He deserves to be there. He deserves to die. But God <laughs> put Jesus Christ in prison and the, the, jail, the jailer came and said to Barabbas, you're free. Go. Why? I didn't, I didn't know you didn't. You see that man hanging on the cross? He took your place. Go. And you wouldn't confess him. I want to get here. I want to get in right behind you. I want somebody to just dump me down there one more time. Show everybody I ain't. A, I'm a nothing from nowhere. I don't deserve nothing. I'm just kill me, put me out, stand out of mind. I need to be crucified with Christ. I don't deserve to live. It's taken from prison. Who shall declare his generation? He's cut off of the land of the living. Verse eight. For the transgression of my people was he stripped. You see that? His people. His children. God's children. Children of Israel. True Jews. Inward. Circumcisions. Not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. Verse 9, He made His grave with the wicked. Our Lord died between two thieves to show us that's who Christ came for. Thieves. One of them He left alone. 
Well, on his left hand, he just left him alone. And that man was cursing his only hope till the day he died. Cursing. His only hope, hanging there beside him, he's cussing him. And this man was too. All of a sudden, change. How? Why? Jesus Christ said so. He looked, he saw, that's the Lord. That's God. That's the Son of God dying. He's not getting what he deserved. I'm getting what I deserve. And he said, Lord, would you remember me? Why? What has he ever done? What has that thief ever done that the Lord should remember me? Nothing! Well, how's he going to get there? There's blood being shed right there. That's his substitute. One beside him. It's, only, it's his only hope of getting the glory, not what he did. His only hope is that man hanging beside him did what he did for him. Lord, would you remember? He said, today. Today. And with the rich and his death, God had a man named Joseph of Arimathea give his tomb that no man had ever laid in for Christ to be buried in. Because God said he's not going to die the death of a commoner. I mean, he's not going to uh, be buried in the burial of a commoner. <coughs> Common criminals, they probably took those two thieves off those crosses and threw their bodies in a pile with the rest of them. It's called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And you couldn't distinguish one skull from another. Oh, a pile of bones. And that's mankind. But now God had him put in a tomb and no man had laid because three days later he came out of there and there are no bones in that grave. You're not going to find any bones in that grave. He did not suffer corruption. He did not perish. He will not leave his soul in hell or, hell or see corruption. He didn't, he didn't perish. He came out of the grave. So does it do his people. His people. He'd done no violence, you see. That's why God had a rich man bury him an honorable death, a burial. No deceit in his mouth. Hmm. Yet, here's the reason that all happened. Verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. See, God put him to grief. Men did what their wicked hands wanted to do and willed to do, but they did what God determined before to be done. And God made his soul an offering for sin. See that? Sin offering. A burnt offering. Hell. He's going to see his seed. Who's that? It's you. It's you. This is that corn of wheat fell in the ground, bears more, much fruit. God's people will see his seed, his children. He shall prolong his days. How long is his days going to be? How long is Christ going to live? Forever. So will his people. The pleasure of the Lord, here it is, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Scripture says it pleased the Lord to make you his people. How? It was in his hands. It was in Christ's hands. And he's going to see the travail of his soul, verse 11. See, all this happened long time before Christ came. All this was prophesied. 
he shall see the travail of his soul, like a woman travailing in birth, he'll be satisfied. Every single one whom Christ died for, they're going to live. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, not everyone, but many. Because here's what, here's how he's going to justify. He's going to bear their iniquity. And they, they get his righteousness. He gets the blame. They get the credit for what he did. But they would never, never give themselves any credit. So God said, I'm going to divide with him a portion with the great. I divide the spoil with the strong. He's poured out his soul unto death, numbered with the transgressor. He bare the sin of many. Our Lord on the cross, the first thing he said on that cross was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they did. And God heard that prayer for every single person Christ died. And he frankly forgave them all. And made intercession for the transgressors. He ever lives to make intercession. Go back to Acts chapter 8. And Peter, uh, uh, Philip, Philip told this eunuch, that's what he preached. He preached what I just preached. Who? And he told this eunuch, he said, this is the truth. The Son of God has come, given us an understanding. I know him that is true, and we're in him that is true. This is, this is eternal life. And he said, and our Lord said that whoever believes him and trusts him to be baptized, confess him, is a picture of what Christ did for them. Baptism, bury him. You don't sprinkle them. You don't sprinkle dirt on you when you die. We're going to bury you. Dead, covered over, right? Well, how do you get out of that? Somebody's going to raise you. And so they walked, they rode along, and verse 36, and went on their way, and they came to a certain water. See, a, a lake or a river or something. The eunuch said, hey, hey, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if you believe, with all your heart, in sincerity and truth, you may. And listen to his answer. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God manifesting man. The one sent by God to do what he did for his people. And Philip said, stop the chariot. The chariot stood still and they went down into the water, Philip, the eunuch, and he baptized them, like we're going to do now. And when we were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away. Why? Because Philip just told him the truth. He's not, he's a nobody from nowhere. He's not going to let this eunuch worship him. Uh-uh, no, no, no. He's going to worship Christ. This, Philip didn't do anything, just tell him what Christ did for him. Philip said, I heard the same thing. He said, I'm just telling you what I, I heard, what Christ did. And it says this eunuch 
saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing in what? In who? Rejoicing in the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord his Savior. And Philip, what was Philip doing? He just went on, did some more preaching. What did he preach? One thing. One thing. Is that what you believe, Karen? Rather, who? All your hope? That eunuch's hope? Jesus Christ. That is. That's what she's told me. So she's going to come. Carol, you come, get ready. Uh, John, you come, lead us in a hymn.